Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya We're continuing our reading of the Srimad Bhagavatam summary of the 10th canto called Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. We're taking up where we left off at the lunch break at chapter number 6 which is entitled, Putana Killed. While Nanda Maharaj was returning home, he considered Vasudev's warning that there might be some disturbance in Gokula. Certainly the advice was friendly and not false. So Nanda thought, there is some truth in it. Therefore, out of fear, he took shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It is quite natural for a devotee in danger to think of Krishna because he has no other shelter. When a child is in danger, he takes shelter of his mother or father. Similarly, a devotee is always under the shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but when he specifically sees some danger, he remembers the Lord very rapidly. After consulting with his demoniac ministers, Kamsa instructed a witch named Putana, who knew the black art of killing small children by ghastly sinful methods to kill all kinds of children in the cities, villages, and pastoring grounds. Such witches can play their black art only where there is no chanting or hearing of the holy name of Krishna. It is said that wherever the chanting of the holy name of Krishna is done, even, in, even negligently, all bad elements, witches, ghosts, and dangerous calamities immediately disappear. And this is certainly true of the place where the chanting of the holy name of Krishna is done seriously especially in Vrindavan, when the Supreme Lord was personally present. Therefore, the doubts of Nanda Maharaj were certainly based on affection for Krishna. Actually, there was no danger from the activities of Putana, despite her powers. Such witches are called Ketchari, which means they can fly in the sky. This black art of witchcraft is still practiced by some women in the remote northwestern side of India. They can transfer themselves from one place to another on the branch of an uprooted tree. Putana knew this witchcraft and therefore she is described in the Bhagavatam as Kechari. Putana entered the country of Gokula, the residential quarter of Nanda Maharaj. Hare Krishna, welcome back. Thank you. Happy day. Putana entered the country of Gokula the residential quarter of Nanda Maharaj without permission. Dressing herself just like a beautiful woman, she entered the house of Mother Yashoda. She appeared very beautiful with raised hips, nicely swollen breasts, earrings, and flowers in her hair. She looked especially beautiful on account of her thin waist. She was glancing at everyone with very attractive looks and smiling face, and all the residents of Vrindavan were captivated. The innocent cowherd women thought that she was the goddess of fortune appearing in Vrindavan with a lotus flower in her hand. It seemed to them that she had personally come to see Krishna, who is her husband. Because of her exquisite beauty, no one checked her movement, and therefore she freely entered the house of Nanda Maharaj. Putana, the killer of many, many children, 
found baby Krishna lying on a small bed, and she could at once perceive that the baby was hiding his unparalleled potencies, which resembled fire covered by ashes. Bhutana thought, this child is so powerful that he can destroy the whole universe immediately. <clears throat> Bhutana's understanding is very significant. The Supreme Personality of God Krishna is situated in everyone's heart. It is stated in the Bhagavad Gita that he gives one necessary intelligence and he also causes one to forget. Putana was immediately aware that the child whom she was observing in the house of Nanda Maharaj was the Supreme Personality of God himself. He was lying there as a small baby, but that does not mean that he was less powerful. The materialistic theory that God worship is anthropomorphic is not correct. No living being can become God by undergoing meditation or austerities. God is always God. Krishna as a baby is as complete as he is as a full-fledged youth. The Mayavad theory holds that the living entity was formerly God but ha has now become overwhelmed by the influence of Maya. Therefore Mayavadis say that presently he is not God but when the influence of Maya is taken away he will again become God. This theory cannot be applied to the minute living entities. The living entities are minute, minute parts and parcels of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. They are minute particles or sparks of the original fire. So these sparks can be covered by the influence of Maya, but the so these sparks can be covered by the influence of Maya, Maya but the original fire, Krishna, cannot. Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead even from the beginning of his appearance in the house of Vasudeva and Devaki. Krishna showed the nature of a small baby and closed his eyes, as if to avoid the face of Putana. This closing of the eyes is interpreted and studied in different ways by the devotees. Some say that Krishna closed his eyes because he did not like to see the face of Putana, who had killed so many children and who had now come to kill him. Others say that Putana hesitated to take the baby on her lap because something extraordinary was being dictated to her from within, and that in order to give her assurance, Krishna closed his eyes so that she would not be frightened. And yet others interpret it in this way. Krishna appeared in order to kill the demons and give protection to the devotees. As stated in the Bhagavad Gita, Parichranaya Sadhu Nam the first demon to be killed was a woman. According to Vedic rules, the killing of a woman, a brahmana, cows, or a child is strictly forbidden. Krishna was obliged to kill the demon Putana, and because the killing of a woman is forbidden according to the Vedic Shastra, he could not help but close his eyes. Another interpretation is that Krishna closed his eyes because he simply took Putana to be his nurse. Putana came to Krishna just to offer her breast for the Lord to suck. Krishna is so merciful that even though he knew Putana was there to kill him, he took her as his nurse or mother. But if it helps you, we'll do the same. Sorry about that. Sorry. <clears throat> I've been talking the whole time we were gone, so. <clears throat> there are seven, there are seven, there are, seven kinds of mothers 
according to the Vedic injunction. The real mother, the wife of a teacher or spiritual master, the wife of a king, the wife, turn it down, way down, the wife of a brahmana, the cow, the nurse, and mother earth. Because Putana came to take Krishna on her lap and offered her breast milk to be sucked by him, she was accepted by Krishna as one of his mothers. That is considered to be another reason he closed his eyes. He had to kill a nurse or mother. But his killing of his mother or nurse was no different from his love for his real mother or his foster mother, Yashoda. We further understand from Vedic information that Putana was also treated as a mother and given the same facility as Yashoda. As Yashoda was, giving libera was given liberation from the material world, Putana was also given liberation. When the baby Krishna closed his eyes, Putana took him on her lap. She did not know that she was holding death personified. If a person mistakes a snake for a rope, he dies. Similarly, Putana had killed so many babies before meeting Krishna, and she mistook him to be like them. But now she was accepting the snake that would kill her immediately. When Putana was taking baby Krishna on her lap, both Yashoda and Rohini were present. But because she was so beautifully dressed, and showed motherly affection toward Krishna, they did not forbid her. They could not understand that she was a sword within a decorated case. Putana had smeared a very powerful poison on her, on her breast, and immediately, immediately after taking the baby on her, on her lap, she pushed her breastly nipple within his mouth. She was hoping that as soon as he would suck her breast, he would die. But baby Krishna very quickly took the nipple in anger. He sucked the milk poison along with the life air of the demon. In other words, Krishna simultaneously sucked the milk from her breast and killed her by sucking out her life. Krishna is so merciful that because the demon Putana came to offer her breast milk to him, he fulfilled her desire and accepted her activity as motherly. But to stop her from further nefarious activities, he immediately killed her. And because the demon was killed by Krishna, she got liberation. As Krishna pressed her breast extremely hard and sucked out her very breath, Bhutana fell down on the ground, spread her arms and legs and cried, O oh child, leave me, leave me. She was crying loudly and perspiring and her whole body became wet. <clears throat> As she died screaming, there was a tremendous vibration on the earth and in the sky, on the upper and lower planets, and in all directions, and people thought that thunderbolts were falling. Thus the nightmare of the Putana witch was over, and she assumed her real feature as a great demon. She opened her fierce mouth and spread her arms and legs all over, she fell exactly as Vritrasura did 
when struck by the thunderbolt of Indra. The long hair on her head was scattered all over his, her body. Her fallen body extended up to 12 miles <coughs> and smashed all the trees to pieces. And everyone was struck with wonder upon seeing this gigantic body. Her teeth appeared just like plows and her nostrils appeared like ju just like mountain caves. Her breasts appeared like small hills and her hair was a vast reddish bush. Her eye sockets appeared like blind wells and her two thighs appeared like two banks of a river. Her two hands appeared like two strongly constructed bridges and her abdomen seemed like a dried up lake. All the cowherd men and women became struck with awe and wonder upon seeing this. And the tumultuous sound of her falling shocked their brains and ears and made their hearts beat strongly. When the gopis saw little Krishna fearlessly playing on Putana's lap, they very quickly came and picked him up. Madhya Shoda, Rohini and other elder gopis immediately performed the auspicious rituals by taking the tail of a cow and circumambulating his body. The child was completely washed with the urine of a cow and the dust created by the hooves of the cows was thrown all over his body. This was all just to save little Krishna from future inauspicious accidents. This incident gives us a clear indication of how important the cow is to the family, society, and to living beings in general. The transcendental body of Krishna, <coughs> excuse me, the transcendental body of Krishna did not require any protection, but to instruct us on the importance of the cow, the Lord was smeared over the over, the Lord was smeared over with cow dung, washed with the urine of a cow, and sprinkled with the dust upraised by the walking of the cows. After this purificatory process, the gopis headed by Mother Yashoda and Rohini chanted the names of Vishnu to give Krishna's body full protection from all evil influences. They washed their hands and feet and sipped water three times, as is the custom for chanting mantra. They chanted as follows, My dear Krishna, May the Lord, who is known as Aja, protect your legs. May Lord Maniman protect your knees. May Lord Yagya protect your thighs. May Lord Achuta protect your upper waist. May Lord Hayagriva protect your abdomen. May Lord Keshava protect your heart. May Lord Isha protect your chest. May Lord Surya protect your neck. May Lord Vishnu protect your arms. May Lord Urukrama protect your face. May Lord Ishwara protect your head. May Lord Chakradara protect your front. May Lord Gadadhar protect your back. May Lord Madhusudana, who carries a bow in his hand, protect your right side. And Lord Ajana protect your left side. May Lord Urugaya with his conch shell, protect you on all sides. May the Supreme 
personal may the supreme may the personality of Godhead Upendra protect you from above. May Lord Tarksha protect you on the ground. May Lord Haladara protect you from all sides. May the personality of Godhead known as Rishikesha protect you all your senses. May Lord Narayana protect your life heirs. May the Lord of Shwetadweep, Narayana, protect the core of your heart. May Lord Yogeshwara protect your mind. <clears throat> may Lord Prishnigarbha protect your intelligence. And may the Supreme Personality of Godhead protect your soul. While you are playing, may Lord Govinda protect you from all signs. And when you are sleeping, may Lord Madhava protect you from all danger. When you are walking, may the Lord of Vaikuntha protect you from falling down. When you are sitting, may Lord Narayana give you all protection. And while you are eating, may the Lord of all sacrifices give you all protection. Thus, Mother Yashoda chanted different names of Vishnu to protect child Krishna's different bodily parts. Mother Yashoda was firmly convinced that she should protect her child from different kinds of evil spirits and ghosts, <coughs> namely Dakinis, Yatudanis, Kushmandas, Yak Yakshas, Rakshasas, Vinayakas, Kutaras, Rivatis, Jeshtas, Putanas, Matrikas, Unmadas, and similar other evil spirits who cause persons to forget their own existence and give trouble to the life heirs and the senses. Sometimes they appear in dreams and cause much perturbation. Sometimes they appear as old women and suck the blood of small children. But no such ghosts and evil spirits can remain where it, there is chanting of the holy name of God. Mother Yashoda was firmly convinced of the Vedic injunctions about the importance of cows and the holy name of Vishnu. Therefore she took all shelter of the cows and the name of Vishnu just to protect her child Krishna. She recited all the holy names of Vishnu so that he might save the child. Vedic culture has taken advantage of keeping cows and chanting the holy name of Vishnu since the beginning of history and persons who are still following the Vedic ways, especially the householders, keep at least one dozen cows and worship the deity of Lord Vishnu who is installed in their house. Persons who are advancing in Krishna consciousness should take instruction from this pastime and also be very much interested in cows and the holy name of Vishnu. The elder gopis of Vrindavan were so absorbed in affection for Krishna that they wanted to save him, although there was no need to, for he had already protected himself. They could not understand that Krishna was the Supreme Personality of Godhead playing as a child. After performing the formalities to protect the child, Mother Yashoda took Krishna and let him suck her breast. When the child was protected by Vishnu Mantra, Mother Yashoda felt that he was safe. In the meantime, all the cowherd men who had gone to Mathura to pay tax returned home and were struck with wonder at seeing the gigantic dead body of Putana. Just a comment about this being protected by the Vishnu Mantra. I mean, the Pancharatric system has us wearing the Urdhva Pundra, but it's a, a nyasa, it's applied with the mantras in different parts of the body. 
So really the, the Vaishnavas who are following that system apply those every day. And there's also an injunction in the Panchratra that says to nullify any offenses that one makes in doing seva uh, for the deity. One should chant uh, one chapter of Bhagavad Gita or the Vishnu Sahasranam Stotram. And I was just, we, were, we chanted the 10th chapter of the Gita this morning after the Mangalartik, because that's our vow for the Kartik. And just after we finished chanting that one chapter of the Gita, it was palpable, the feeling of uh, relief and release from uh, the oppression of various influences of the material nature. Wasn't it? You felt it too? Yeah. And you felt it? Nanda Maharaj recalled the prophecy of Vasudev and considered him a great sage and mystic yogi. Otherwise, how could he have foretold an incident that happened during his absence from Vrindavan? After this, all the residents of Raja cut the gigantic body of Putana into pieces and piled it up with wood for burning. That's elaborated more in the improper purports in the Bhagavatam because he says that Vasudeva is a Kshatriya and Nanda Maharaja is a Vaishya. He said, you see the difference in the way that they think. Because Vasudeva didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but he knew something was going to happen because he's a kingly person and therefore he could interpret the environment and understood that there was some danger looming. And Nanda Maharaj, when he heard that from Vasudeva and then came back and saw Putana uh, had created havoc, he, he saw it as him, Vasudeva, seeing the future and so forth. He said he was a great mystic. <laughs> a great mystic. Yeah. <coughs> After this, all the residents of Raja cut the gigantic body of Putana into pieces and piled it up with wood for burning. When all the limbs of Putana's body were burning, the smoke emanating from the fire created a good aroma of Aguru. This aroma was due to her being killed by Krishna. It's Indian. There's no adjustment. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Yeah. As only the auxiliary light yeah. is on and only this fan. Otherwise Apologies on all sides. Yeah, otherwise the batteries go down and then everything, then nothing works. It'll come back on with, with a vengeance anytime soon. <laughs> and then it'll be like a typhoon. Indian system. They could not understand that Krishna was the Supreme Personality of Godhead playing as a child. After performing the formalities to protect the child, Mother Yashoda took Krishna and let him suck her breast. When the child was protected by Vishnu Mantra, Mother Yashoda felt that he was safe. In the meantime, all the coward men who had gone to Mathura to pay tax returned home and were struck with wonder at seeing the gigantic dead body of Putana. Nanda Maharaj recalled the prophecy of Vasudeva and considered him a great sage and mystic. Otherwise, how could he have foretold an incident that happened during his absence from Vrindavan? After this, all the residents of Raja cut the... 
cut the, didn't I just read that? Cut the gigantic body of Putin into pieces and piled it up with wood for burning. When all the limbs of Putin's body were burning, the smoke emanating from the fire created a good aroma of a guru. This aroma was due to her being killed by Krishna. This means that the demon Putana was washed of all her sinful activities and attained a celestial body. Here is an example of how the Supreme Personality of God it is all good. Putana came to kill Krishna, but because he sucked her milk, she was immediately purified and her dead body attained a transcendental quality. Her only business was to kill small children. She was only fond of blood. But in spite of being envious of Krishna, she attained salvation because she gave her milk to him to drink. So what, to be, so what can be said of those who are affectionate to Krishna in the relationship of mother, with, who with great love and affection always serve him, the Supreme Personality of Godhead and the Super Soul of every living entity? It is concluded, therefore, that even a little energy expended in the service of the Lord gives one immense transcendental profit. This is explained in the Bhagavad Gita, Svalpam apyasyadharmasyatrayate mahatobhaya. Devotional service in Krishna consciousness is so sublime that even a little service rendered to Krishna, knowingly or unknowingly, gives one the greatest transcendental benefit. The system of worshipping Krishna by offering flowers from a tree is also beneficial for the living entity who is confined to the bodily existence of that tree. When flowers and fruits are offered to Krishna, the tree that bore them also receives much benefit indirectly. The archana process or worshipping procedure is therefore beneficial for everyone. Krishna is worshipable by great demigods like Brahma and Lord Shiva and Putana was so fortunate that the same Krishna played in her lap as a little child. The lotus feet of Krishna, which are worshipped by great sages and devotees, were placed on the body of Putana. People worship Krishna and offer him food with great reverence and devotion, but automatically he sucked the milk from the body of Putana. <clears throat> Devotees therefore pray that if simply by offering something as an enemy, Putana got so much benefit, then who can measure the benefit of worshiping Krishna in love and affection? Therefore, only Krishna should be worshipped for so much benefit. Therefore, only Krishna should be worshipped for so much benefit awaits the worshipper. Although Putana was an evil spirit, she gained elevation just like the mother of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It is clear that the cows and the elder gopis who offered milk to Krishna were also elevated to the transcendental position. Krishna can offer anyone anything, from liberation to anything materially conceivable. Therefore, there cannot be any doubt of the salvation of Putana, whose bodily milk was sucked by Krishna for such a long time. And how can there be any doubt about the salvation of the gopis who were so fond of Krishna? Undoubtedly, all the gopis, coward boys, cows, and everyone else who served Krishna in Vrindavan with love and affection were liberated from the miserable material existence. When all the inhabitants of Vrindavan smelled the good aroma from the smoke of the burning Putana, they inquired from each, from each other, where is this good fragrance coming from? And while conversing, they came to understand that it was the fumes of the burning Putana. They were very fond of Krishna, and as soon as they heard that the demon Putana had been killed by Krishna, they offered blessings to the little child out of affection. 
After the burning of Putana, Nanda Maharaj came home and immediately took up the child on his lap, lap and began to smell his head. In this way, he was quite satisfied that his little child was saved from this great calamity. Srila Shukadeva Goswami has given a blessing to all persons who hear the narration of the killing of Putana by Krishna. They will surely attain the fit. Wait for it. Wait for it. They will surely attain the favor of Govinda. Haribo! Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purport of the sixth chapter of Krishna. Kill, Putana killed. Bravo! Bravissimo! Chapter 7 The Salvation of Trinavarta. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Krishna, is always full with six opulences, namely complete wealth, complete strength, complete fame, complete knowledge, complete beauty, and complete renunciation. The Lord appears in different complete eternal forms of incarnation. The conditioned soul has immense opportunity to hear about the transcendental activities of the Lord in these different incarnations. In the Bhagavad Gita it is said, Janma Karma Chame Dibyam. The pastimes and activities of the Lord are not material. They are beyond the material conception. And the conditioned soul can benefit by hearing such uncommon activities. Hearing is an opportunity to associate with the Lord. To hear his activities is to evolve one's transcendental nature simply by hearing. Can I repeat, can I repeat that again? Any, any votes for it? Yes, sir. Okay, thank you. Got a second. Hearing is an opportunity to associate with the Lord. To hear his activities is to evolve one's transcendental nature simply by hearing. The conditioned soul has to, a natural aptitude to hear something about other conditioned souls in the form of fiction, drama, and novel. That inclination to hear something about others can be utilized in hearing the pastimes of the Lord. Then one can immediately evoke his transcendental nature. Krishna's pastimes are not only beautiful, they are also very pleasing to the mind. If someone takes advantage of hearing in the pastimes of the Lord, the material contamination of dust accumulated in the heart due to long association with material nature can be immediately cleansed. Lord Chaitanya also instructed that simply by hearing the transcendental name of Lord Krishna, one can cleanse the heart of all material contamination. There are different processes for self-realization, but this process of devotional service of which hearing is the most important function when adopted by any conditioned soul, will automatically cleanse him of the material contamination and enable him to realize his real constitutional position. Conditional life is due to this contamination only, and as soon as it, as soon as it is cleared off, then naturally the dormant function of the living entity rendering service to the Lord awakens. By developing his eternal relationship with the Supreme Lord, 
one becomes eligible to create friendship with the devotees. By developing his eternal relationship with the Lord, one becomes eligible to create friendship with the devotees. Maharaj Pariksit recommended from practical experience that everyone try to hear about the transcendental pastimes of the Lord. This Krishna treatise is meant for that purpose and the reader may take advantage of it to attain the ultimate goal of human life. The Lord, out of his causeless mercy, descends to this material world and displays his activities just like an ordinary man. Unfortunately, the impersonalists or the atheistic class of men consider Krishna to be an ordinary man like themselves and so they deride him. This is condemned in the Bhagavad Gita by the Lord himself when he says, Abhajananti mam mudha The mudhas or rascals take Krishna to be an ordinary man or a slightly more powerful man out of their great misfortune they cannot accept him as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Sometimes such unfortunate persons misrepresent themselves as incarnations of Krishna without referring to the authorized scriptures. When, when Krishna grew up a little more, <clears throat> he began to turn himself backside up. He did not merely lie down on his back, and another function was observed by Yashoda and Nanda Maharaj, Krishna's first birthday. They arranged for Krishna's birthday ceremony, which, was, which is still observed by all followers of the Vedic principles. Krishna's birthday ceremony is observed in India by all Hindus, irrespective of different sectarian views. All the cowherd men and women were invited to participate in the jubilant celebration. A nice band played and the assembly, assembled people enjoyed it. All the learned brahmanas were invited and they chanted Vedic hymns for the good fortune of Krishna. During the chanting of the Vedic hymns and playing of the bands, Krishna was bathed by Madhya Shoda. This bathing ceremony is technically called Abhisheka. And even today this is observed in all the temples of Vrindavan on Janmashtami Day or the birthday anniversary of Lord Krishna. I just want to say that you know, sometimes in South India, uh, days of yore, I remember um, walking around when the temples were doing festivals, like there's one boat festival, they take the deity out and the pokor and take them around. And there were all these bands playing around the area, mostly Shanai. They had a few like tenor saxophones also, because it's a you know, very similar instrument. It's like Shanai. But, but the ragas were going, and they're really blasting it out. Like they'd be in different corners, and then you hear the mantras going down below, and there's really an uh, auspicious atmosphere created. There's no uh, space in which any. Uh, <clears throat> material sounds can get in. It's all just pushed out. Chandra, you know? chad, chattering of the villagers. Yeah. I mean, the difference between that, like New York City, which is constantly um, oh. emitting like 
random uh, whimsical sound vibrations on all sides. Like it, when, when the mantras are going and the, and the bands are playing ragas for Krishna coming out of the temple and everything, there's this, you just feel uplifted. In New York, it's an enervating experience. Yeah. I mean, not picking on New York. You can pick on any place. <laughs> Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Shinsatsui, Samsui Po, Mangkok, Komintin, New Territory, way up on the peak. Okay, where are we now? On this occasion. On this occasion, Mother Yashoda arranged to distribute a large quantity of grain, and first class cows decorated with golden ornaments were made ready to be given in charity to the learned, respectable Brahmanas. Yashoda took her bath and dressed herself nicely, and taking child Krishna, duly dressed in bathes on her lap, she sat down to hear the Vedic hymns chanted by the Brahmanas. While Mother Yashoda was listening to the chanting of the Vedic hymns, the child appeared to be falling asleep, and therefore she very silently laid him down on the bed. Being engaged in receiving all the friends, relatives, and residents of Vrindavan, on that holy occasion, she forgot to feed the child milk. He was crying, being hungry, but Mother Yashoda could not hear him cry because of the various noises. The child, however, became angry because he was hungry and his mother was not paying attention to him. So he lifted his legs and began to kick his lotus feet just like an ordinary child. Baby Krishna had been placed underneath a hand-driven cart, and while he was kicking his legs, he accidentally touched the wheel of the cart and it collapsed. Various kinds of utensils and dishes made of brass and other metals had been piled up in the handcart and they all fell down with a great noise. The wheel of the cart separated from the axle and the spokes of the wheel were all broken and scattered hither and thither. Mother Yashoda and all the gopis as well as Maharaj Nanda and the cowherd men were astonished as to how the cart could have collapsed by itself. All the men and women who were assembled for the holy function crowded around and began to suggest how the cart might have collapsed. No one could ascertain the cause, but some small children who were entrusted to play with baby Krishna informed the crowd that it was due to Krishna striking his feet against the wheel. They assured the crowd that they had seen how it happened with their own eyes, and they strongly asserted the point. Some were listening to the statement of the small children, but others said, how can you believe the statements of these children? The coward men and women could not understand that the all-powerful personality of Godhead was lying there as a baby and that he could do anything. Both the possible and impossible were in his power. While the discussion was going on, baby Krishna cried. Without remonstration, Mother Yashoda picked the child up on her lap and called the learned Brahmanas to chant holy Vedic hymns to counteract the evil spirits. At the same time, she allowed the baby to suck her breast. If a child sucks the mother's breast nicely, it is to be understood that he is out of all danger. After this, all the stronger cowherd men put the broken cart in order, and all the scattered things were set up nicely as before. The Brahmanas thereafter offered oblations to the sacrificial fire with yogurt, butter, kusha grass, and water. They worshiped the Supreme Personality of Godhead for the good fortune of the child. 
The brahmanas who were present at that time were all qualified because they were not envious. They never indulged in untruthfulness. They were never proud. They were non-violent and they never claimed any false prestige. They were all bona fide brahmanas and there was no reason to think that their blessings would be useless. With firm faith in the qualified brahmanas, Nanda Maharaj took his child on his lap and bathed him with water mixed with various herbs while the brahmanas chanted hymns from the Rig, Yajur and Samavedas. It is said that without being a qualified brahmana, one should not read the mantras of the Vedas. Here is the proof that the brahmanas were qualified with all the brahminical symptoms. Rajananda also had full faith in them. Therefore, they were allowed to perform the ritualistic ceremonies by chanting the Vedic mantras. There are many different varieties of sacrifices recommended for different purposes, but the mantras are all to be chanted by qualified brahmanas. And because in this age of Kali, such qualified brahmanas are not available, all Vedic ritualistic sacrifices are forbidden. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has therefore recommended only one kind of sacrifice in this age, namely the Sankirtana Yajna, or chanting the Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. As the Brahmanas chanted the Vedic hymns and performed the ritualistic ceremonies for the second time, Nanda Maharaj again gave them huge quantities of grain and many cows. All the cows which were given in charity were covered with nice gold-embroidered garments, and their horns were bedecked with golden rings. Their hooves were covered with silver plate, and they wore garlands of flowers. He gave so many cows just for the welfare of his wonderful child, and the brahmanas, in return, bestowed their heartfelt blessings. And the blessings offered by the able brahmanas were never to be baffled. One day, shortly after the ceremony, when Madhya Shoda was patting her baby on her lap, the baby felt too heavy, and being unable to carry him, she unwillingly placed him on the ground. After a while, she became engaged in household affairs. At that time, a servant of Kangsa's, known as Trinavarta, as instructed by Kangsa, appeared there in the shape of a whirlwind. He picked the child up on his shoulders and raised a great dust storm all over, the, all over Vrindavan, covering everyone's eyes. Within a few moments, the whole area of Vrindavan became so densely dark that no one could see himself or anyone else. During this great catastrophe, Mother Yashoda could not see her baby who had been taken away by the whirlwind and she cried very piteously. She fell down on the ground exactly like a cow who has just lost her calf. When Mother Yashoda was so piteously crying, all the cowherd women immediately came and began to look for the baby. But they were disappointed and could not find him. The Trinavarta demon went high into the air with the baby Krishna, with baby Krishna on his shoulder. But the baby assumed such a weight that suddenly he could not go any further and he had to stop 
his whirlwind activities. Baby Krishna made himself heavy and began to weigh down the demon, catching hold of his neck. Trinavarta felt the baby to be as heavy as a big mountain and he tried to get out of his clutches, but he was unable to do so and his eyes popped out of their sockets. Crying very fiercely, he fell down to the ground of Vrindavan and died. The demon fell exactly like Triparasura, who was pierced by the arrow of Lord Shiva. Trinavarta hit a stone slab and his limbs were smashed. His body became visible to all the inhabitants of Vrindavan. When the gopis saw the demon killed, then child Krishna very happily playing on his body, they immediately picked Krishna up with great affection. The cowherd men and women became very happy to get back their beloved child Krishna. At that time, they began to talk about how wonderful it was that the demon had taken away the child to devour him, but could not do so. Instead, he fell down dead. Some of them supported the some of them supported the situation. This is proper, because those who are too sinful die from their sinful reactions. And child Krishna is pious, therefore he is safe from all kinds of fearful situations. And we and we too must have performed great sacrifices in our previous lives, worshiping the Supreme Personality of Godhead, giving great wealth and charity, and acting philanthropically for the general welfare of men. Because, such pious because of such pious activities, the child is safe from all danger. The gopis assembled there and spoke among themselves. What sort of austerities and penances we must have undergone in our previous lives? We must have worshipped the Supreme Personality of Godhead, offered different kinds of sacrifices, made charities, and performed many welfare activities for the public, such as growing banyan trees and excavating wells. As a result of these pious activities, we have gotten back our child, even though he was supposed to be dead. Now he has come back to enliven his relatives, after observing such wonderful happenings, Nanda Maharaj began to think of the words of Basudev again and again. After this incident, when Yashoda once was nursing her child and patting him with great affection, there streamed a profuse supply of milk from her breast, and when she opened the mouth of the child with her fingers, she suddenly saw the universal manifestation within his mouth. She saw, she saw within the mouth of Krishna the whole sky, including the luminaries, stars in all directions, the sun, moon, fire, air, seas, islands, mountains, rivers, forests, and all other moving and non-moving entities. When Madhya Shoda saw this, her heart began to throb, and she murmured within herself, How wonderful this is! She could not express anything, but simply closed her eyes. She was absorbed in wonderful thoughts. 
Krishna is showing the universal form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, even when lying down on the lap of his mother, proves that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is always the Supreme Personality of Godhead, whether he is manifested as a child on the, on the lap of his mother or as a charioteer on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. The concoction of the impersonalists that one can become God by meditation or by some artificial material activities is herewith declared false. God is always God in any condition or status. And the living entities are always the parts and parcels of the Supreme Lord. They can never be equal to the inconceivable supernatural power of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purport of the seventh chapter of Krishna, the salvation of Trinabharta. Purification by Vishnu Mantra. <laughs> I heard Prabhupada say the other night, the, the other morning, he said, the Srimad Bhagavatam is a mantra. He just said that every demon represents something. Here, so use the mic. He just said that every demon represents something. What does Srimad represent? Of uh, carrying around false egos. He's not in, I don't think he's in that list. No, he's not. Yeah. I, I have to check, but I think he represents a false, uh, it, it's somewhere else, it's not in the, in the list of the uh, But I think it's false guru and false It's cheating. I have a cheating purpose. It's a mana on WhatsApp. Yadu meets him when he's on an expedition and asks him how he became enlightened. That is, he asks the Abhidhuta Brahmana. The Abhidhuta Brahmana says, I have 24 gurus. And he names all of them. They're 
various features of nature and other phenomena that he's witnessed in everyday life. And near the end of the section, Lord Krishna says that if one purifies one's intelligence, then it can act as one's shiksha guru. So in the case of a person who's purified the intelligence and the mind, as Krishna says in the sixth chapter of the Gita, the mind becomes the best friend, and the intelligence becomes directly the shiksha guru. Correct. Chapter 8, Vision of the Universal Form. After this incident, Vasudev asked his family priest, Gargamuni, to visit the place of Nanda Maharaj in order to astrologically calculate the future life of Krishna. Gargamuni was a great saintly sage who had undergone many austerities and penances and been appointed priest of the Yadu dynasty. When Gargamuni arrived at the home of Nanda Maharaj, Nanda Maharaj was very much pleased to see him and immediately stood up with folded hands and offered his respectful obeisances. He received Gargamuni with the feeling of one who is worshipping the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He offered him a nice sitting place, and when he sat down, Nanda Maharaj offered him a warm reception. Addressing him very politely, he said, My dear Brahmana, your appearance in a householder's place is only to enlighten. We are always engaged in household duties and are forgetting our real duty of self-realization. Your coming to our house is to give us some enlightenment about spiritual life. You have no other, no other purpose in visiting householders. Actually, a saintly person or a brahmana has no business visiting householders who are always busy in the matter of dollars and cents. The only reason saintly persons and brahmanas go to the place of a householder is to enlighten him. If it is asked, why don't the householders go to a saintly person or a brahmana for enlightenment? The answer is that householders are very poor-hearted. Generally, householders think that engaging in family affairs is their prime duty and that self-realization or enlightenment and spiritual knowledge is secondary. Out of compassion only, saintly persons and brahmanas go to householders' homes. Nanda Maharaj addressed Gargamuni as one of the great authorities in astrological science. The foretellings of astrological science, such as the occurrence of solar or lunar eclipses, are wonderful calculations, and by this particular science, a person can understand the future very clearly. Gargamuni was proficient in this knowledge. By this knowledge, one can also understand what his previous activities were that are causing him to enjoy or suffer in this life. Nanda Maharaj also addressed Gargamuni as the best of the brahmanas. A brahmana is one who is expert in the knowledge of the Supreme. Without knowledge of the Supreme Absolute, one cannot be recognized as a brahmana. The exact word used in this connection is brahmavidam, which means those who know the Supreme very well. An expert brahmana is able to give reformatory facilities to the subcasts namely the Kshatriyas and Vaishyas. The Shudras observe no reformatory performances. The Brahmana is considered to be the spiritual master or priest for the Kshatriya and Vaishya. Nanda Maharaj happened to be a Vaishya and he accepted Gargamuni as a first-class Brahmana. He therefore offered his two foster sons, namely Krishna and Balaram, 
to him to purify. Nanda stated that not only these boys, but all human beings just after birth should accept a qualified pramana as spiritual master. Upon this request, Gargamuni replied, Vasudev has sent me to see to the reformatory performances of these boys, especially Krishna's. But if I do so, it may incidentally appear that Krishna is the son of Devaki, since I am Vasudev's family priest. By his astrological calculation, what? No, it's interesting. It's indirect. He's saying it very indirectly. By his astrological calculation, Gargamuni could understand that Krishna was the son of Devaki, which Nanda did not know. Indirectly, Gargamuni said that Krishna and Balaram were both sons of Vasudev. Balaram was known as the son of Vasudev because his mother, Rohini, was present there, but Nanda Maharaj did not know about Krishna. Gargamuni indirectly disclosed the fact that Krishna was the son of Devaki. Gargamuni also warned Nanda Maharaj that if he would perform the reformatory ceremony, then Kamsa, who is naturally very sinful, would understand that Krishna was a son of Devaki and Vasudev. According to astrological calculation, Devaki could not have a female child, although everyone thought that the eighth child of Devaki was female. In this way, Gargamuni intimated to Nanda Maharaj that the female child was born of Yashoda and that Krishna was born of Devaki, and they were exchanged. Also, the female child, Durga, had informed Kamsa that the child who would kill him was already born somewhere else. Gargamuni stated, If I give your child a name, and if he fulfills the prophecy of the female child to Kamsa, then it may be that the sinful demon will come and kill this child also after the name-giving ceremony. But I do not want to become responsible for all these future calamities. <clears throat> this sentence uh, saying how Durga had informed Kansa that the child who would kill him was already born somewhere else is, is by Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur this is part of the evidence that he says meant that Krishna was born at the same time as Yogamaya with uh, to Yashoda and therefore she's considered the younger sister of Krishna and so it's very interesting on hearing the words of Gargamuni Nanda Maharaj said if there is such danger then it better not then it is better not to plan any gorgeous name-giving ceremony. It would be better for you to simply chant the Vedic hymns and perform the purified chord process. We belong to the twice-born caste, and I am taking this opportunity of your presence. So please, perform the name-giving ceremony without external pomp. Nanda Maharaj wanted to keep the name-giving ceremony that's a secret, and yet take advantage of Gargamuni's performing the ceremony. When Gargamuni was so eagerly requested by Nanda Maharaj, he performed the name-giving ceremony as secretly as possible in the cowshed of Nanda Maharaj. He informed Nanda Maharaj that the son of Rohini would be very pleasing to his family members and relatives, and therefore would be called Rama in the future 
he would be extraordinarily strong and therefore would be called Baladev. Gargamuni said further, because your family and the family of the others are so intimately connected and attracted, his name will also be Sankrishan. This means that Gargamuni awarded three names to the son of Rohini, namely Balarama, Sankrishan, and Baladev. But he, but he carefully did not disclose the fact that Balaram had also appeared in the womb of Devaki and was subsequently transferred to the womb of Rohini. Krishna and Balarama are real brothers, being originally sons of Devaki. Gargamuni then informed Nanda Maharaj, as far as your son is concerned, this child has taken different bodily complexions in different yugas, millennia. First of all, he assumed the color white, then the color red, and then the color yellow. And now he has assumed the color black. Besides that, he was formerly the son of Vasudeva. Therefore his name should be Vasudeva as well as Krishna. Ah, he was formerly the son of Vasudeva. Hmm. Therefore his name should be Vasudeva as well as Krishna. Some people call, will call him Krishna and some will call him Vasudeva. But one thing you must know, this son has, has had many, many names, other names and activities due to his different pastimes. Gargamuni further hinted to Nanda Maharaj that his son would also be called Gididhari because of his un uncommon pastime of, living, of lifting Govardhan Hill. Since Gargamuni was an astrologer, he could understand everything past and future, and thus he said, I know everything about his activities and names, but others do not know. This child will be very, will be very pleasing to all the cowherd men and boy, the cows. Being very popular in Vrindavan, he will be the cause of all good fortune for you. Because of his presence, you will overcome all kinds of material calamities despite opposing elements. Gargamuni continued to say, My dear king of Raja, in his previous births, this child many times protected righteous persons from the hands of rogues and thieves whenever there was political disruption. Your child is so powerful that anyone who, who will become a devotee of your boy will never be troubled by enemies by enemies. Just as demigods are always protected by Lord Vishnu, the devotees of your child will always be protected by Narayana, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This child will grow in power, beauty and opulence in everything. On the level of Narayana, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, therefore I would advise that you protect him very carefully. So that he may be grow without, so that he may grow without disturbance. In other words, Gargamuni informed Nanda Maharaj that because Nanda was a great devotee of Lord Narayana, the Lord had given Naraya, Nanda a son equal to himself. At the same time, Gargamuni indicated that.
that this son would be disturbed by so many demons and that Nanda should therefore be careful and protect him. In this way, Gargamuni convinced Nanda Maharaj that Narayana himself had become his son. In various ways, he described the transcendental qualities of his son. After giving this information, Gargamuni returned to his home. Nanda Maharaj began to think of himself as the most fortunate person, and he was satisfied to receive such a benediction in this way. A short time after this incident, both Balaram and Krishna began to crawl on their hands and knees. When they were crawling like that, they pleased their mothers. The bells tied to their waist and ankles sounded fascinating, and they would move around very pleasingly. Sometimes, just like ordinary children, they would be frightened by others and would immediately hurry to their mothers for protection. Notice, to their, mo to their mother for protection, not to their father. They would be frightened by others and would immediately hurry to their mothers for protection. Sometimes they would fall into the clay and mud of Vrindavan and would approach their mothers smeared with clay and saffron. They were actually smeared with saffron and sandalwood pulp by their mothers. But due to crawling over muddy clay, they would simultaneously smear their bodies with clay. As soon as they would come crawling to their mothers, Yashoda and Rohini would take them on their laps and covering them with the lower portion of their saris, allow them to suck their breasts. When the babies were sucking their breasts, the mothers would see small teeth coming in. Thus their joy would be intensified to see their children grow. Sometimes the naughty babies would crawl up to the cow shed, catch the tail of a calf and stand up. The calves being disturbed would be immediately begin running here and there and the children would be dragged over clay and cow dung. To see this fun, Yashoda and Rohini would call all their neighborhood friends, the gopis. Upon seeing these childhood pastimes of Lord Krishna, the gopis would be merged in transcendental bliss. In their enjoyment, they would laugh very loudly. Krishna and Balaram were so restless that their mothers, Yashoda and Rohini, would try to protect them from cows, bulls, monkeys, water, fire, and birds while they were executing their household duties. Always, always being anxious to protect the children and to execute their duties, they were not very tranquil. In a very short time, Krishna and Balaram began to stand up and swiftly move on their legs. When Krishna and Balaram be began to walk, other friends of the same age joined them and together they gave the highest transcendental pleasure to the gopis, specifically to Mother Yashoda and Rohini. All the gopi friends of Yashoda and Rohini enjoyed the naughty childhood activities, childish activities of Krishna and Balaram in Vrindavan. In order to enjoy further transcendental bliss, they all assembled and went to Mother Yashoda to lodge complaints against the restless boys. When Krishna was sitting before Mother Yashoda, all the elder, go 
all the elder gopis began to lodge complaints against him so that Krishna could hear. They said, Dear Yashoda, why don't you restrict your naughty Krishna? He comes to our houses along with Balarama every morning and evening and before the milking of the cows, they let loose the calves and the calves drink all the milk of the cows. So when we go to milk the cows, we find no milk and we have to return with empty pots. If we warn Krishna and Balarama about, the, about doing this, they simply smile so charmingly that we cannot do anything. Also, your Krishna and Balarama find great pleasure in stealing our stock of yogurt and butter from wherever we keep it. When Krishna and Balarama are caught stealing the yogurt and butter, they say, why do you charge us with stealing? Do you think that butter and yogurt are in scarcity in our house? Sometimes they steal butter, yogurt, and milk and distribute them to the monkeys. When the monkeys are well fed and do not take any more, the, your boys then chide, this milk and butter and yogurt are useless. Even the monkeys won't take it. And they break the pots and throw them hither and thither. If we keep our stock of yogurt, butter and milk in a solitary but dark place, your Krishna and Balara find it in the darkness by the glaring effulgence of their ornaments and jewels on their bodies. If by chance they cannot find the hidden butter and yogurt, they go to our little babies and pinch their bodies so that they cry and then go away. If our fear of these naughty boys, if out of our fear of these naughty boys we keep our stock of butter and yogurt high on the ceiling, hanging on a swing, although it is beyond their reach, they arrange to reach it by piling up all kinds of wooden planks over the grinding machine. And if they cannot reach, they make a hole in the pot. We think therefore that you'd better take all the jeweled ornaments from the bodies of your children. On hearing this, Yashoda would say, All right, I will take all the jewels from Krishna so that he cannot see the butter hidden in the darkness. Then the gopis would say, Oh, no, 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 don't do this. What good will you do by taking away the jewels? We do not know what kind of boys these are, but even without ornaments, they spread some kind of effulgence so that even in darkness they can see everything. Then Mother Yashoda would inform them, All right, keep your butter and yogurt carefully so that they may not reach it. In reply to this, the gopi said, Yes, actually we do so, but because we are sometimes engaged in our household duties, these naughty boys enter our house somehow or other and spoil everything. Sometimes, being unable to steal our butter and yogurt, out of anger they pass urine on the clean floor and sometimes spit on it. Now just see how your boy is hearing these complaints. All day he simply makes arrangements to steal our butter and yogurt, and now he is sitting just like a very silent good boy. Just see his face. When Mother Yashoda thought to chastise her boy after hearing all the complaints, she saw his pitiable face and smiling she did not chastise him. <laughs> Another day when Krishna and Balaram were playing with their friends all the boys joined Balaram and complained to Mother Yashoda that Krishna had eaten clay. 
On hearing this, Mother Yashoda caught hold of Krishna's hand and said, My dear Krishna, why have you eaten earth in a solitary place? Just see, all your friends, including Balaram, are complaining about you. Being afraid of his mother, Krishna replied, My dear mother, all these boys, including my elder brother Balaram, are speaking lies against me. I have never eaten any clay. My elder brother Balaram, while playing with me today, became angry, and therefore he is joined with the other boys to complain against me. They have all combined together to complain, so you will be angry and chastise me. Mm. If you think they are truthful, then you can look in within my mouth to see whether I have eaten clay or not. His mother replied, All right, if you have actually not eaten any clay, then just open your mouth. I shall see. When the Supreme Personality of God at Krishna was so ordered by his mother, he immediately opened his mouth just like an ordinary boy. Then Mother Yashoda saw within that mouth the complete opulence of creation. She saw the entire outer space in all directions, mountains, islands, oceans, seas, planets, air, fire, moon, and stars. Along with the moon and the stars, she also saw all the elements, water, sky, and the extensive ethereal existence, along with the total ego and its products, namely the senses, the controllers of the senses, all the demigods and the objects of the senses like sound and smell. Within his mouth, she also saw the three qualities of material nature, all living entities, eternal time, material nature, spiritual nature, activity, consciousness, and different forms of the whole creation. Yashoda could find within the mouth of her child everything necessary for cosmic manifestation. She also saw within his mouth herself taking Krishna on her lap and having him suck her breast. Upon seeing all this, she became struck with awe and began to wonder whether she were dreaming or actually seeing something extraordinary. She concluded that she was either dreaming or seeing the play of the illusory energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. She thought that she had become mad, mentally deranged, to see all those wonderful things. Then she thought, it may be cosmic mystic power attained by my child, and therefore I am perplexed by such visions within his mouth. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is beyond the expression of consciousness, mind, work, and philosophical speculation, and whose different energies produce everything manifested and unmanifested. Under his energy, bodily self and bodily possessions are conceived. She then said, let me offer my respectful obeisances unto him, under whose illusory energy I am thinking that Nanda Maharaj is my husband and Krishna is my son, that all the properties of Nanda Maharaj belong to me, and that all the cowherd men and women are my subjects. All this misconception is due to the illusory energy of the Supreme Lord. So let me pray to him that he may protect me always. While Mother Yashoda was thinking in this high philosophical way, Lord Krishna again expanded his internal energy just to bewilder her with mater maternal affection. Immediately, Mother Yashoda forgot all philosophical speculation and accepted Krishna as her own child. She took him on her lap and became overwhelmed with maternal affection. She thus began to think of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who was understood through the processes of cultivating knowledge derived from the Upanishads in the Vedanta Sutra, practic 
practicing mystic yoga and studying Sankhya philosophy as her own begotten child. Certainly, Mother Yashoda had executed many, many pious activities, as a result of which she got the absolute truth, the Supreme Personality of Godhead as her son who sucked milk from her breast. Similarly, Nanda Maharaj also must have performed many great sacrifices and pious activities for Lord Krishna to become his son and address him as father. But it is surprising that Vasudeva and Devaki did not enjoy the transcendental bliss of Krishna's childhood pastimes, although Krishna was their <coughs> real son. The childhood pastimes of Krishna are glorified even today by many sages and saintly persons, but Vasudeva and Devaki could not enjoy such childhood pastimes personally. The reason for this was explained by Shukadeva Goswami to Maharaj Prichit as follows. When the best of the Vasus, named Drona, and his wife Dara, were ordered to increase progeny by Lord Brahma, they said unto him, Dear Father, we are seeking your benediction. When we take birth again within the universe, may the Supreme Lord Krishna, in his most attractive feature of childhood, absorb our whole attention. May our dealings with him be so powerful that simply by hearing of these childhood activities of his, anyone will very easily cross over the nations of birth and death. Lord Brahma agreed to give them the benediction and as a result the same Drona appeared as Nanda Maharaj in Vrindavan and the same Dara appeared as Mother Yashoda, the wife of Nanda Maharaj. In this way, Nanda Maharaj and his wife, Madhya Shoda, developed their unalloyed devotion for the Supreme Personality of Godhead, having gotten him as their son. And all the gopis and cowherd men who were associates of Krishna naturally developed their own different feelings of love for Krishna. Therefore, just to fulfill the benediction of Lord Brahma, Lord Krishna appeared along with his plenary expansion Balarama and performed all kinds of childhood pastimes in order to increase the transcendental pleasure of all the residents of Vrindavan. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the eighth chapter of Krishna, vision of the universal form. Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, hey Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, Natchari Armarman, 